You know, it's a great time to be a Christian in the world. Now, I say that, and you might say, well, has there ever been a bad time? Well, no, there's never been a bad time to be a Christian. But as the world gets darker and darker, just know what I mean here. As the world gets darker and darker, it makes our challenge to be light even more exciting. We are called to be light in darkness, and darkness is gathering all around us. And we've been talking about that, and we have articulated how our culture at large is separating itself from the truth of God's Word and the righteousness of Christ Jesus that we try to emulate and we try to live. And that seems to be separating us out from the larger culture. And that's okay, and we've identified that, but now we need a strategy for dealing with it. Where do we go from here? How do we live as the remnant of God's people in this, in this world. And as we thought about the fact that we are the church, we don't just go to church, but we are the church. It's going to fall on us. We have to do something. And the question is, well, what is that something that we're called to do? We thought we'd take this month, for those of you who are new with us, we thought we'd take the month of September and just think together about where we are now. That's a good place to start. Where are we as a people? Where are we as a congregation, as Um, as a covenant body of believers what do we believe what are our values and we have articulated three values that we are going to hold on to no matter what happens in the culture we're going to seek to agree upon these before the lord and work from this starting point you see them on the board i want you to say them out loud with me number one biblical truth number two missional living and number three vital connection. Last week we looked specifically at biblical truth and how we need the truth of God's Word as our foundational beginning. We find in God's truth our, our teaching, our direction, our, our source of understanding of the glory and the majesty of God. He reveals Himself to us through His Word. He tells us what to believe and, and what to do and we need this as the starting point of our truth. We also remembered last week that our culture is a post-truth culture now where truth is not a great value any longer in our culture. Rather, the culture values feelings and opinions more than it does actual facts. And yet, we are a truth-based covenant community. And So just in that alone, we find ourselves being separated out. Because we have defined biblical truth as our value. But today I've been looking forward to coming back and talking a little bit about missional living and what that means. And what does the Bible teach about being on mission with God. And I've looked forward to that as your pastor to say to you that I'm always excited when I think about what Old Fort Baptist Church is doing in the area of missions. And it's fun to be able to look back over the 24 or so years that I've been here and see how missions has become a part of the very DNA of this church. And how it is expected, if if you're a part of this church, that we are going to do something beyond ourselves. And people look forward to that. And I think for the most part, we enjoy being a part of what God is doing in the world around us. Just this week, for instance, on Thursday night. I loved walking around during our Community Impact for Christ, which is our program to reach out to the underserved of this community. 
And there, were a, there was a large crowd gathered there of those clients who had come for some ministry or some services. And I enjoyed talking with them and mingling among them. But I also enjoyed walking around and seeing you and looking at your faces and, and noticing that after 10 years of that program, volunteers are still coming week after week and month after month. And God continues to bless that. And I know that we've seen people come to know the Lord through that ministry. We have some who are active in this or other churches because they were connected there first. And I see God moving there still. Just this past week, I was in a meeting with the friends of Tanzania. and We're planning uh, more trips. We have a trip that just returned from Tanzania in July. We have another team that's leaving next month, October. We have two trips scheduled next year. And it's been fun to watch over the last eight or ten years how God has blessed in that particular area of East Africa. I remember the first time we went into Ngarasero, and it was such a dark community there. It's just a small community in the bush country of Tanzania. And we, we met some of the key leaders there, and we asked them about church and Christianity, and they just kind of threw up their hands. It just was not a part of their culture at that time. And I remember going back a few years later, and as we'd gone back year after year, and several years after that, one of the elders said to me, so we sure love to see you guys coming out here because before you came, we had no knowledge or understanding of Jesus, but we're learning that now. And then as God allowed us to be a part of establishing a church there a year and a half ago, so we took a group of men, and many of you went with me on that trip, and we were able to actually build a church building there for the group of believers that were gathered there, and God led us to a young man named Jackson to be our pastor and helped us to uh, train and equip him and he is now serving faithfully there and that's been fun to watch and to be a part of and I hope I hope you've enjoyed being a part of that even if you haven't gone your church is a part of that kind of mission work that far around the world we have already identified another valley where there is no Christian influence at all and we were there this past January for the very first time and we're going to be continuing to do work in that area because our goal is to see the, the gospel of Jesus Christ presented in places where it uh, currently does not exist and so we're excited about that we just had a team come back from Baltimore for the last several years you've known that we've been on mission with God in Baltimore Maryland which is one of the most dangerous cities in the United States and it's a dark place and yet our North American Mission Board is trying to establish new church starts there and we've been uh, hooked up with uh, the Broken Wall Project and many of you have been to Baltimore just had a team come back uh, over Labor Day weekend, had a great trip there, did a lot of good work. God is working there, and, and we're seeing that, that little church beginning to take root and grow and develop. So many things are happening in the area of missions. We think about our missions offerings. The Lonnie Moon Christmas offering, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but Old Fort Baptist Church over the last 15, 18 years has been a leader in the state convention in the support of Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is a missions offering that goes to support almost 5,000 missionaries around the world. I thank God for that. We have missions in our DNA. And it's not just in, in those big uh, outward missions. We, we do missions right here in the church. We have care group leaders and deacon ministries and senior adult ministry and student ministry and children's ministry where we give people an opportunity to be on mission with God right here at Old Fort Baptist Church. And I thank God for you. And I thank God for all the many things that we've been able to do as a church. However, however, that's not what I'm going to talk about this morning. 
when I talk to you about what it means for you as a believer to be on mission with God and to live your life missionally. You see, here's what I've come to the, the conclusion of. If, if we, as a church, and not just us, but if every Christian church in the country, let's just look at America, if every Christian church in America got busy and developed really good mission programs, like the ones I've mentioned, really good ones, where they're working with their community, they're going out on mission trips, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a very organized, developed mission program. If every church in America got involved doing that, and that's all of the mission work that was happening in the kingdom of God, it would be way too small. You see, because that's not God's ideal. God's ideal is not to bring people into our programs, but send us out into that world. Let's think about that for a second. Think about the numbers of people that were involved in some way in the ministries or programs that I just mentioned for an hour a week or a week a year. And multiply that by the potential of godly men and women going out from this place into the mission fields of your life every single solitary day with the mindset, I am a servant of Jesus Christ and I'm going to serve Him in this place. If you try to do the math, it is mind-blowing of the numbers of people that can be reached when God's people Understand what it means to live on mission with Him. To be called of God to be a missionary where you are. Not to wait for some organization. And I like the church and I'm glad we're doing the things that we're doing. But what we're doing is we're providing models for you and examples for you. To try to teach and train and equip you of how to go to where you are. And as you go, to be on mission with God. All right, let's take a look. And our calling. Let's take a look at our calling. You see, our mission statement here, when we talk about missional living, it says, as ambassadors for Christ, we value God's call. We value God's call to be on mission with Him by sharing His love and telling His story. Do you know and understand the call of God in your life to be on mission with him. So often we think, well, you know, the calling's for, for the pastors or the, the staff, or maybe a deacon's got a call, or maybe a Sunday school teacher has a call of God in his or her life. But I, I'm just a Christian. I really don't understand or don't know that call in my life. Well, according to Scripture, as a Christian, you have been called of God to be on mission with him. Let's take a look at that in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Let's stop right there for a second. And I've said this before. Anytime a verse or a chapter begins with the word therefore, we have to go back a little bit, don't we? It's obviously referring to something that went on before that. So let's go back to the previous couple of paragraphs beginning in chapter 3, verse 14. And look at this passage with me. 
For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. And that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. And to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, walk worthy of your calling. You see, where did he start? He started with the credentials of the one who calls us. The credentials of the one who calls. He says, I want you to know that God is great. That God has awesome power. That God is revealing his glory. That God is a God of love. That God is a God of power. Just look back over those verses and you see these these amazing accolades that he gives to his God. He is building the credentials of the one who calls. Now this is a very, very important part of your calling. And I want you to get this part. God is so awesome. So amazing. So incredibly powerful. So full of glory. Listen carefully. He does not call you or me because he needs us. Can we we just accept that? You might say it's just a little on me. Why would God need me? Well, he doesn't. He's God. By definition, that means he doesn't need Period. He's God. He's a God of glory. You see, God doesn't call us out of his need. Rather, God calls us out of the abundance of his glory. Here's the point. Suppose you've got a son or grandson who is a nationally ranked high school football player. Let's just kind of use this little illustration here. He's one of those, um, you know, what they call blue chip players or five-star recruits. All-American high school at whatever position. And now he's got to the point to where he's being recruited by different colleges. Right, so, so let's just go to, that, go to that den where the coach is there now. And it's the head coach, by the way, not an assistant coach because this guy's good. Not sending some assistant. We got the head coach. And so now the head coach is sitting in your living room with your son, your grandson, and you get to be there. And, and we're talking about a decision that's going to affect his life for a long, long time. And, and so the young man who's pretty articulate says, well, coach, why do you want me to come and play on your team? And the coach looks at him and says, well, because we're terrible. We're terrible, man. 
we got the worst team ever. We didn't win a game last year. We're probably not going to win a game next year because I know who plays on the team. They're terrible. We need you, man. Would you please? I mean, I'm begging now. We, we're terrible. We're, we're a bunch of losers down there at that college, and we need you. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? <laughs> you know why every All-American recruit wants to play for Alabama? Because they're good. Seriously. You want to win a national championship? Come play on our team. We do that a lot. Now, I know Clemson's got something to say about it. I get that. But ever since I've been able to watch football, Alabama's been up there somewhere close. It's easy to recruit when you're not recruiting out of your need, but out of your glory. See? And God comes to you. He's not asking you to come and serve him and be a minister in his, in, his, in his world, to be a missionary in his world, because he needs you, because there's nothing broken about the kingdom of God. Our God's a winner. Amen? Amen. Our God is going somewhere that matters. Our God is going to win. He is winning. He has won. Our God is a God of glory, and he invites you not out of his need, but out of his glory. And he wants you to share in that. He's inviting you to be on a winning team and to do something that matters for him and for his glory. That's why when, when we're given this call in the ministry, he begins with the credentials of the one who calls. You want to be a part of something great. Follow the call of God in your life. Our God's a winner. and He wants us to know that. He goes on. Look again at verse 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, first part of that. Because here we're going to look at the circumstances of the ones he calls. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord. The prisoner of the Lord. He says that in chapter 3, verse 1. He says it in a couple of other places. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Let's look at that. He introduces himself this way, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. He introduces himself this way to the church at Philippi. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Catching a theme here, prisoners, slaves. In other words, he's talking about himself being surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Totally Surrendered as a slave, as a prisoner, as a servant. He's just looking for words to describe what it means to give yourself away and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. If you're going to be on mission with God, you must surrender self. You know, if I was doing um, like a spiritual retreat with you this morning and we were at some mountain resort and you've all been things like that where you're having your retreat and and and, and looking at these beautiful surroundings and we weren't in church this morning i'd stop right now and i'd give you an assignment and i'd tell you to go find a quiet place in the woods somewhere on by a stream or just sitting out looking at god's beautiful world it's a beautiful day this morning so i'd say i just want you to go and get by yourself and take a piece of paper and a pencil 
And I want you to do this little assignment. I want you to write down the things that make you who you are. Those things about your life that are important to you. Your family. Your friends. Your children. Your finances. Your job. Your hobbies. Just, just write down those things. And then just between you and the Holy Spirit of the Lord, ask yourself if there's still something on that list that has yet to be surrendered over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Just take a look, just between you and the Spirit of the Lord. Now, now I'm not going to ask you to leave this morning and go do that, because I'm sure I wouldn't get some of you back, and I want you to stick around. But I do want to say this in all sincerity. Will you do that today, or tomorrow, or this week? Just take a few minutes before God and write down who you are. And just to have an honest conversation just between you and the Holy Spirit as to what things are on that list that have been surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and what things you are still holding on to as your own. And the question may be, well, what does that have to do with being on mission with God? Well, here, here's the point. Whatever there is on that list that has not yet been surrendered to, to the Lordship of Jesus will be the first thing that will get in the way of you being in, on mission with your God. Be the first thing. You see, if God says, I need you to do so and so, and your question is, well, how am I going to afford that? What have you just shown you have not yet surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Your finances. Or your question is, well, what about the kids? God may come back and say, um... Whose kids are they, really? We tend to allow those things that we control to get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. And so he says, I am just a prisoner of the Lord. I am just a slave. I am just a servant. He's telling us that he has surrendered his life to the Lordship of Jesus. That's where mission begins. That's where mission begins. Being completely surrendered to him. Then he gives us a great challenge. And we see the challenge of the ones he calls. He says, I, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. That's in the second part of verse 1. Walk worthy of the calling you have received. Receive, that's past tense, isn't it? Not the calling you're going to receive or that some of you may receive. But he's talking to the church at Ephesus. He's talking to the Christian church there. And he says, all of you have something in common. Once you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, in that moment of transformation from death to life, from darkness to light, there is assumed... A calling of God in your life to serve Him from that moment forward. You see, sometimes we think that being a Christian only impacts our life to come, but has little, if any, influence on the life we live right now. But nothing could be farther from the truth. You have already received a calling. And he says you're to walk worthy of that. Now, I want to tell you that understanding your calling is not as difficult as some of you choose to make it. Some of us sit around big 
um, time frames of our lives sit, just sitting there waiting on God to give us something specific to do. Kind of waiting on that audible voice, you know. God, you just tell me to do it and I will and we're really waiting on that. And I'm not saying that God doesn't do that on certain occasions. But sometimes we, we spend so much time and energy waiting on God to give us some specific calling that we fail to get busy doing the general work of the call of God that he's already given us into his word. Let me tell you, I could tell you some of the things God's told you to do already. According to, remember last week we said we were going to go with the biblical truth? Well, the Bible teaches us what God has called us to do. First, he's taught us to love one another. You don't have to pray. I'm going to say this straight up. You don't have to pray and ask God whether or not he wants you to love your neighbor. Now, you might ask him why sometimes. But in that, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? We call this the great commandment. Jesus said to love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And it was, it was almost like you could just see something, some relief in their faces. Like, man, I got that down. And then he says, and the second one's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What? <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, now we know he has called us to be on mission with him to share his love with a broken, a hurting, a lost world. We got that. But he doesn't end there. Not only does he give us the great commandment, but he gives us his great commission. We find that in Matthew chapter 28. Go into the world and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Remember, I'll be with you always to the end of the world. Yeah, that's, that's to you. So just think about this for just a second. Let's just say we took those two things seriously as a church. I'm called of God, called to do what? Called to love God, love my neighbor, called to share his teachings, his truth, his gospel. You get up and you go out from this place and you're looking for an opportunity to do those things. You don't need any special dispensation or any special word from God. You got it. There it is. I guarantee you one of the first things that's going to happen once you make a decision to do that is God's going to put somebody in your life or show you somebody that's already in your life that needs to know that God loves them and so do you. And it won't be long before you're going to find someone that will benefit from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that person is already in your mission field. You probably already know them very well. Some of you live in the same household. Some of you see them every day at work. Some of you go to school with them. And you already know them. And maybe you already love them. Maybe you already have some relationship started with them. And God will say, that's it. And they're probably never going to come to a worship service right here on their own. They're probably never going to go to one of our mission uh, outings or, or come, come to one of our mission events that's organized by the church. But you see them every day. Think about the potential if all of us decided to do that. I mean, the mathematics will, drive, will blow your mind. If just the people in this room, think about this. If just the people in this room, I'm not even going to count the 930 service. Just, just go with the people in this room, the true believers in this room. We get busy about loving and sharing. And you saw your life as a mission field. And you took one year to win one person. That, that sounds like... You allowed God, that doesn't sound like a lot, does it? You let God use you 
to win one person through you. He wants to show his glory through you, to love someone, to share gospel with one person, only one. Okay, think about that. Think about what happens in this service. If they decide to serve God in and through his church and his ministry right here, well, right now we already are going to have to do a third service by next year. What? Yeah. Just, with, just as you did that, we wouldn't have room to put everybody. Well, that'd be a good problem to have. And it, can, it can go exponentially. You know what they said? I read an article recently that said this. That said, if the Christian parents, if Christian parents would see their families, their own children as a mission field, and love them with the love of Christ and share faith with them, and their children were one to the Lord, if Christian parents would win there and they would be sincerely saved, and then those children would be concerned about their children, okay, and share faith with their children, and then those children would share faith with their children, and they would, and, and this is all working now. This is given the fact that it's all working. I read an article that did the math and said, in four generations, we would win the world to Christ. Unbelievable. We've missed the challenge. Walk worthy of the calling. Well, what calling? The calling to love God, love your neighbor, and share his truth. We're trying to make it something that it's not. We're trying to make it bigger than it is. And it is big, but it, the bigness is of God. God's got the glory. He doesn't need us. He allows us to be a part of that. He wants us to surrender ourselves so that we can be faithful to him. And he calls us. Take that challenge and walk worthy. And then the last thing I'll say is this. I, I love where he goes in verse 2 through 6 because he talks about the camaraderie of the calling. Here's what he says. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us, there is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Wow. Next week, we're going to talk about vital connection. And I'm so thankful that when God calls us, He doesn't call us to, to live in a vacuum to go out and serve Him as some kind of lone ranger missionary but he puts us in a fellowship of believers so that we can connect with one another we can support and encourage one another and he brings us together in unity so that we find support and strength in serving the lord do you what being a missionary for the kingdom of god is an amazing privilege I want you to accept that. I want you to grasp that. I want you to own that concept. Serving the Lord is not an obligation or a requirement. It's certainly not a burden. It's a privilege to be able to love God, to love one another, and to share His truth. That's what He calls us to. And I want you to be a part of that as we together find ourselves living missionally. Let's stand together, please. Jason is going to lead us in a time of response. We wanted to give you a couple of minutes to respond. We want to give the Holy Spirit some time to work in our midst on Sundays. So 
We've got plenty of time this morning. They're going to sing a song. We're going to join them in that. Our ushers will be giving us a chance to respond through giving. But I want you to know the altars are always open as a place of prayer. I'm really trying to bring that back into a vital part of our church and our community together as we pray together. We pray with one another and for one another. So I'll be here near the front if you have a decision you'd like to make or make public or you want me to pray with you, I'm happy to do that. The altars are always open for prayer. Think about what you have not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ today. And this might be a good time to start formulating that list in your head of the things in your life that you're holding on to and realizing that you won't be able to be on mission with God until you're willing to surrender and become that prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ.